0: This is the Dennis Miller Option. Your source of opinions, stories, and laughs for comedian and inactivist Dennis Miller his Guy Friday, Christian
1: Blatt, and superstar producer, Lindsay Floyd. And now, it's him, Dennis Miller.
2: Hey, folks. This first show we're taping today is for three weeks from now. And then the second show with Nick DiPaolo will air tomorrow.
0: Well, they heard that three weeks ago and then now this one is today for everyone in the stop.
2: oh wait a second why are you time looping me <laughs> my friend max barbaco has a brilliant film out called palm springs about a time loop with andy sandberg and uh give it a tumble christian i think you'll like it
0: yeah no i definitely want to check that out I'm, okay uh, don't, get pissed.
2: don't get pissed just
0: hey by the time people hear this i'll have watched it twice
2: so this is tomorrow
0: no tomorrow's tomorrow but this is three weeks from now
2: the sun will come out (laughs) in 21 days bet your bottom dollar on three weeks from now Come what may, three weeks from now, three weeks from now, we'll all meet here and talk baseball three weeks from now. And Nick DiPaolo will be on twice again in the interim. (laughs) Well, on that note, our guest is with us. Really? (laughs) I'm sure he enjoyed that. Did he hear any of that? I think he heard all of that. (laughs) And he's still on. I believe so. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I am so sorry, my friend. We're joined by Howard Berman. Howard, how are you? Um, Very well, how are you? Beautiful. Uh, Howard has a new book about the the Mick, who some say, I've heard it it mentioned, Billy Crystal will argue the greatest player ever. Hard to believe because I saw him post arthritis or whatever the hell, his knees were just gone. He had no wheels, but I hear he was fleet of foot like Jim Thorpe coming in from o- the Okie territory uh, when he first came up. But we've got a, a book by Howard Berman about Mick's lead up to the show, Mutt's Dream. I assume Mutt's the old man. The Making of Mick, Mutt's Dream. That, that's a nice title. Welcome
1: to the show, Howard. Thank you. Pleasure to be here.
2: I have to ask you first, before we get underway here, is it apocryphal or is, is the story about Mickey and Billy Martin hunting near San Antonio true? Have you heard that story?
1: I've heard his story many times and I can't confirm whether it's true or not.
2: <laughs> Can I tell the folks for a second? How sure. They, just, they know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Mickey, uh, you know, Mickey's got the entire world wired, man. Everybody loves the Mick and every, uh, every power broker was in Gotham at one point. So he's got the entire planet wired. Billy gets a new rifle. He's with the Texas Rangers. He wants to go hunting and he calls the mick and says hey let's get out hunting i want to try out this gun and mick says hey i know a doctor owns a preserve down there you know some serengeti thing down near san antonio let's go down we'll play there i guess they're in dallas and Billy, he says, Billy, we got to get up early to get this four hour drive so he says sure sure let's go so they go down mick goes up to the front door knocks on the door this is the ease with which mickey mantle uh, uh, i shouldn't say ease with which he moves through life because he doesn't move through his life easily but he moves through life in general with the cachets. he's a double o agent i mean he's mickey mantle he walks up to the screen door he didn't even call ahead and he's hey doc we're down with billy martin he wants to hunt can we go out he's oh sure mick go ahead out and he said uh, you know you go down here and go through the barn out to the preserve and uh he says, mick by the way i've got an old burrow out there a donkey and uh he says, uh, "I've had him for twenty years, but he's got to—he's got to go down. I can't bring myself to do it. I can't find it in my heart. I wonder if you'd pump one into him and." him down. Mickey says, "Christ, we're just here to hunt, and the doc says, really, you'd be doing me a favor. Mickey goes, okay. So this is all, you you know, they're hitting the uh, the wild turkey at this point already. So I, I can see this scene, it's like seven, and they leave at seven, it's eleven, and they're already into their cups a little. Mickey goes down and to play a joke on Billy, tells him, hey, the, fuck this guy, he, he won't even let us hunt. And Billy says, you're kidding me. And Mickey says, fuck him, I'm going to shoot his mule. And Billy says, what are you doing? Don't do that. he said now fuck him i'm gonna shoot the mule so he goes up to the barn takes his right when he pumps one into the mule and puts him down over his shoulder he goes bam 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 and uh, he turns around he goes billy what are you doing he said fuck him i got three of his cows great story
1: (laughs) It it sounds like Billy.
2: (laughs) The only thing I would say is uh, I'm surprised it didn't sucker punch at first because Billy billy would throw at the drop of a hat. Yeah, he would. All right. So tell me about the Mick. Tell me about young Mick. When do they realize he's gifted and has wings on the feet? Tell me about it. Uh, Howard Berman and the book once again, Mutt's Dream The Making of the Mick.
1: Well, Mutt was a miner, he was mining zinc and lead and it was a really difficult job and lots of people were injured and those who weren't injured often died of lung diseases so mutt thought early on i've got a son i've got to teach him something that will help him get the hell out of the mines and he thought to himself well the only thing i really know how to do is play baseball Mm -hmm. he was an amateur player semi-pro player and so from the very, very beginning, he worked with Mickey. His wife, Lovell, says Mutt threw balls into the crib when Mickey was an infant. So right from the beginning, he was trained to be a baseball player. Mutt had a father, Mickey's grandfather of course. Don't be
2: afraid, Howard. That's in my head. Yeah, sorry, That's the sound I hear in my head.
1: Yeah. So they started practicing with Mickey. Uh, Charlie threw left-handed, Mickey threw right-handed, and every day they went out and practiced against the barn. I mean, every day. Uh, Mickey, even when he got into school, you can't do anything when you get home until you practice baseball. So <laughs> it was an ongoing thing.
2: I didn't hear, his, did you say he was married to Jim Lovell, the astronaut? What was what was the mother's name? No, her name, her name was Lovell. Lovell? Yeah. Geez, there's a now, folks, if you want to go buy this book, did you ever think that Mickey Mantle's father, Mutt, was married to Apollo astronaut Jim Lovell? <laughs> I never thought it. But there you go. <laughs> there you are. Uh, there I you think it got stuck on the dark side of the moon. We're talking to Howard Berman. About Mutt's dream, the making of the Mick. Now, in modern life, I would guess uh, you always see the havoc wreaked on the psyche of young Todd Marinovich by his, I assume, his well intentioned father, but it gets a little great Santini with these guys. How did the Mick react to the Mutt?
1: You know, I looked into that as closely as I possibly could, and I couldn't find any evidence whatsoever that suggested Mickey wasn't happy working with his father on his baseball skills. Mm -hmm. I talked to his, or I read comments from his friends. He had three really close guys he played with. They all said, nah, Mick got along great with his father. They loved each other. It was a love story, and I think it truly was. And it's interesting when you think about it, the three great center fielders in New York at the same time, in the 50s, Willie, Mickey, and the Duke, all Mm -hmm. had baseball playing fathers who worked with them from an early age
2: beautiful well listen when it goes right the synchronicity is in fact a beautiful thing to watch it's like atticus and the kids but when it goes wrong it can get ugly i'm so happy because man when i read about the mick over the years the pain I, I don't i don't quite know how he turned on himself but uh, to hear that that at least as a boy he was ebullient and probably looked uh, probably skipped home to bounce it off the barn wall with the old man i, I love that image in my head Summer's here. Crazy hot outside in Cali this week. We all know that we should drink more water, but by the time you feel thirsty, well, it's too late. You screwed the pooch. You're already dehydrated. You can't focus. You feel tired. Drinking enough water is critical for a healthy lifestyle. It increases your brain power. Boosts your productivity, it prevents headaches, it increases your focus, it improves your skin and your mood, it helps your digestion, gives you energy, prevents bad breath, and can even help you lose weight. But how much water should you drink each day? Ten cups? Gallon? Good news is it doesn't have to be so complicated. That's why I start my day with Hydrant. Hydrant helps you hydrate faster. Hydrant has created a refreshing electrolyte powder that you mix directly into water to more efficiently and effectively hydrate your body. It hydrates you quickly and keeps you going for longer. Each rapid hydration mix has four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc. And it packs a punch to help your body hydrate fast and stay hydrated. If you're looking for that extra boost of energy, there's also hydrant plus caffeine, which contains 100 milligrams of caffeine from green tea. And hydrant is backed by research, boy is it. The formula was developed by an Oxford scientist It's also loved by pro athletes, top performers, celebrities, and has thousands and thousands of five-star reviews. It's made with real fruit juice powder, is delicious and refreshing, and comes in a variety of flavors, including new summer-friendly Iced Tea Lemonade and Fruit Punch. I dig them both, I'll be honest. I like Iced Tea Lemonade more, but I've been an Arnie Palmer boy for a long time now. Plus... Backed by 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you don't love it, send it back for a full refund. You really need to try it for yourself to see what I'm talking about. Tastes incredible and it works. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. Save even more with a monthly subscription. Got a special deal right now. Listen up. 25% off your first order. Go to Drink hydrant.com slash dennis or enter our promo code dennis at checkout that's drinkhydran tcom slash dennis and enter promo code dennis for 25% off your first order drinkhydrant.com slash dennis enter promo code dennis to save 25% and we thank hydrant for sponsoring the podcast we're talking to our uh, friend, Howard Berman, and it is B-U-R-M-A-N. If you're looking this book up, I know you're going to get thrown off with the Shelley Berman or the uh, <laughs> the other Berman cat who used to do the sports. He was good in New York. Len Berman. His new book about Mickey Mantle is called Mutt's Dream, The Making of the Mick. Now, listen, we have such a codified system now of scouting. You've got this territory there's no there's no guarantee when you're out in the middle of nowhere like that and he is out there way out there in oklahoma just post dust pulp and that is not environs where you get heavily scouted was this a long shot in the dark these guys were taking trying to
1: get mick to the show not completely he when he was in high school he played for a semi-pro team called the baxter springs whiz kids and they had a manager by name of barney and Barney was a go-getter. And Barney is the one who contacted people on Mickey's behalf and said, hey, you got to come down and see this kid. Now, mm. that being said, he was also he was always already getting a great deal of publicity as an all around athlete. He was a terrific halfback. Uh, he led the conference in rushing for two successive years. He went over to the University of Oklahoma, uh, where Darrell Royal was the quarterback in those days. Who was the coach? Wilkinson. Bud
2: Wilkinson. Yeah. Bud
1: Wilkinson was the coach, and it's a little unclear as to whether he actually received the scholarship offer or they talked about it. But uh, Mickey wasn't interested in that. But he was a star running back, and he was a star on the basketball team. He was a shooting guard.
2: Wow. So
1: he's getting a lot of publicity
2: uh so they were going to find him he was just too great uh i'm interested about mutt it doesn't get any grimmer than being under the earth with lead i mean do you think about Uh lead i I broke a pencil once and it jabbed (laughs) into my index finger and i had to go into you know a clinic in sarajevo for three weeks (laughs) to clean myself out working in a lead mine did he get to see the mix Uh, i i don't quite know Mutt's story did he get to see mickey
1: ascend to valhalla or to asgard Well, that's one of the great stories. I mean, he—he, I think it's very fair to say that Mutt committed his life to working with Mickey. Interestingly enough, he had other children. He didn't spend much time with them at all. He spent a lot of time with Mickey. Mickey was gonna be the great baseball player. That was his dream. He figured that's the only thing I know how to give him. I can't teach him to be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer or anything else. The only thing I can teach him is how to play baseball. And that was his great dream and as soon as mickey made it to the major leagues 1951 mutt died never saw him play much saw a few handful of games but he was gone they as many as many of mine uh, lung disease
2: that is unbelievably uh poignant and saddening but he must have known that he had pushed that he had tugboated a a, a once in a generation talent out of harbor there so i I think he probably knew but To not see it. Jesus, sometimes you know, it's like Beethoven going deaf. You think, What are you fucking kidding me? What what is the universe (laughs) doing here? Yeah. Uh, you know, when I hear about Mick playing hoops, that's one thing. I hear about him playing football. God, he was such a—the wheels were so beautiful. It, I can't believe he almost—I I don't think they thought that way then. But it's very risky. How did he get out of football? Did he come out of that with any injuries? Is that what led to his degenerative knees at some point? Or it, tell me about it, the
1: exactly. Yeah, he didn't want to play football, um, and Mud was insistent, "You're not going to play football. You're a baseball player. You could get hurt playing." football. But the coach kept approaching Mutt and Mickey and Lovell and the kids and saying, you're letting the town down. You've got to do yeah. this. You know, this is our thing. We're in Oklahoma. What are, we don't have a lot going on here, except football. That's the big deal. Football is bigger than baseball. And you've got to play for the high school team. Mutt turned yeah. him down after, time after time. Finally, he gave in. He says, okay, I guess he can play football, but you know, you got to be careful with the guy. Mm-hmm. One of the very first practices, what is it, uh, Mickey's play in, in a practice, he's kicked in the shin by his quarterback and best friend, Bill Mosley. Kicked in the shin. Didn't think too much of it at the time, but it turned into osteomyelitis.
2: Oh my God. Serious,
1: serious injury. They take Mickey to the hospital. He's in the hospital three or four times, many months in the hospital. He's in the crippled children's hospital in Oklahoma City, and after treating him for a while, they said, "We've got to call the parents." They bring the parents in. They said, "Look, we're sorry, Mutt Lovell. Got to take the leg off. Oh no, we have God. no other choice. You're the leg's got to go." Me out. No. And no. Mutt, who was a rather quiet guy and uh, rather staid in his reactions,
0: <sighs>
1: got upset. But then Lovell went ballistic. She had a mouth on her that wouldn't stop. Mm -hmm. And she just took the doctors on and said, the fuck you're doing? You're not taking the (laughs) leg off? I don't care who the hell you are. Good for her. Yeah, she used to do this at his games, too. And Mutt would have to find another seat. He he didn't want to sit anywhere near her. She would take on the referees, particularly in his basketball games, and Mm -hmm. just give them hell. But anyway, she said, you're not doing it, period, end of discussion. Well, they had a new drug, and it's called penicillin wasn't readily available, but for whatever reason, the doctors in, at, uh, in Oklahoma City found enough and they gave him hundreds of shots of penicillin over, over the time. Wow. And the leg never completely healed and it led to deformity in the leg, it led to the knee injuries, it led to most of the other uh, injuries that he had. He also tells the story, interestingly enough, while he's in the hospital, he says it's true. Other people say it probably uh, was true, but there's no, I don't, couldn't find any absolute confirmation that one of the treatments for it was uh, putting leeches uh, mm. right, on, right on the, on the, the uh, yeah, that place where the osteovioletis was, yeah. and, and maggots. And they just put these maggots on there and then let them chew it off. But that was a, that was a huge problem. So Mutt, to his dying day, said, I never should have let him play uh, football. And maybe Mick's career would have been as great as it was. Might have been quite different had he not had those injuries.
2: Folks, can you believe this uh, reportage? I'm getting goosebumps listening to Howard Berman. (laughs) He's got a new book about Mickey Mantle. It's called Mutt's Dream, The Making of the Mick. Have you talked to Doggy yet? The dog will go crazy for this stuff. Have you talked (laughs) to
1: Russo? No, I haven't yet.
2: Oh, are you kidding me? Is your publicist on that? Or should I send him a note or something? This is Yeah, shoot him a note russo would love this yeah. stuff
1: yeah absolutely
2: it sounds so uh i'm trying to think mutt kicks himself for the rest of his life what was mutt's was mutt an alcoholic this is so genetically handed down was he an alcoholic you know to just start him on that route
1: yeah interestingly enough no he wasn't really he, he, yeah he'd drink a little bit he'd go to the bar with the guys sometimes after work on saturday and he had a bottle you know, a little uh hip flask or something that occasionally he'd carry around, but he wasn't a heavy drinker. His mother mm-hmm. didn't drink at all. Uh, but of course, New York put the pressures on Mickey for all sorts of reasons, and he became became a, a terrible alcoholic, as we know. Yeah, he he was one, a of the, one of the great lines. He has one of the great lines about that. He said, "I never knew my kids until I met them on a bar, a bar stool."
2: Wow. Wow. What a devastating comment. Uh, you know, the, the, I guess, listen, God bless Joe Namath for, (laughs) you know, at least winning one. I mean, Obviously the Mick did too, but when you rule New York, (laughs) are you kidding me? Uh, you can become an alcoholic just by the fact that you have cachet to to do anything you want to do. So, uh, boy, I'm fascinated by this. And I have not really done a deep dive, on Mickey Mantle, uh, because I'm a Willie Mays, Roberta Clemente guy, and I don't have the Gotham affiliation with him. But I I was thinking it's time, because I just read a Lou Gehrig book, and I loved that, and I thought it's time to take a dive into Mick. And who would have thought? I would have probably picked it up when he hits the show. But I'm going to start off with this prefical note written by our friend Howard Berman. It's uh, called Mutt's Dream, Mutt being the old man, The Making of the Mick. And this sounds like a nice place to start, because this stuff is so... Invigorating to hear these stories. Over the years, you've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports. The sports landscape is ever changing, and this week is no different. Luckily for all of us sports fans, DraftKings is making it easy for us to have skin in the game. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple. Each player has a salary associated with drafting them. Assemble a lineup of players while staying under the salary cap and then sit back and watch your points pile up. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports. So there's no better place to get in on all of the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up now using code Miller. New users will then get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code Miller to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum five dollar deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Were you a Yankee fan, Howard, or who was your who was your squad out of the three you mentioned earlier?
1: I was born in Brooklyn. I Duke Snyder was my guy. <laughs> yeah, and I I'll would have say. sworn that Duke Snyder was a much better player than Mickey was any day of the week. And that's what I always said to my friends, most of whom were Dodger <laughs> friends I wouldn't have had a giant friend or a Yankee friend. We didn't <laughs> really? Wow, we, well, we didn't talk to those guys much. You know they were, they were another cast altogether. But secretly and I never admitted this at the time when I was a kid secretly, I thought Mickey was great. I love yeah. Mickey. He's a fascinating guy and a fascinating character. And uh, I really did love him and I really did think he was better. And I remember one day at breakfast time, my father said, Holy crap, did you hear what, I, what we just heard about the Dodgers and, 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 the, and the, the Giants, uh, the Dodgers and the Yankees? And I said, No, what? He said, They traded straight up Duke for Mickey. Well, of course, <laughs> it was ridiculous, but I'm 10 years old and I'm thinking, all right, maybe they did. And the first thing when it went to my mind was, that's fabulous. That's a great trade.
2: Oh, really?
1: As great as as Duke was, and he was a terrific ball player. So
2: Uh, your reflex was, uh, isn't that funny? You can (laughs) go back and rethink it and intellectualize it, but your bing-bang was, oh, great, we got the mick. I'm trying to think. I don't know your age, Howard, but did you go to Abbott's? Tell me.
1: I did go to Abbott's. My father took me to Abbott's. uh, and, And that was the thing that really got me started in this whole project. The idea of fathers playing catch with their sons. Donald Hall, the poet, has a great essay about that called Fathers Playing Catch with Their Sons. And I think there's something very elemental in that, that so many of us have that experience. My father played ball with me regularly. I didn't quite reach the same level that Mickey Mantle did. (laughs) I actually didn't even make my high school team, but that's another story. But I think there's something very elemental in that. And that's what attracted me to it. Mickey, you know, what do you talk to your father about when you're 10 years old? Not to talk about mining. There wasn't yeah. a whole hell of a lot else going on in, in this really depressed area. They didn't even have indoor plumbing in their house. They, it was just, uh, it, was a, it was poverty. It was the it was mm-hmm. dust bowl. It was the Oaky stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was crap stuff, you know. And he could talk to his father about that. And I had the same thing with my father i didn't talk politics with him i talked mm-hmm. what we could talk about was baseball it's a common language it's a common denominator
2: you know when he told i i, I think about him teasing you with the trade and i was thinking boy At that point, (laughs) you could have ran to the newsstand and picked from 26 papers to see if that was true or not, because then that was the day of the multitudinous newspapers in New York. Hey, tell me about I collect books about old ballparks, you know, and I always fantasize about Baker Bowl and stuff like that. And Abbott's is one of my. Key ones, you know. I've gotten the most ballparks that I wanted to see, but uh, these ones that are in the Elysian dreams—how wh- wh- do you come upon the field at Ebbets? Do you come up through a ramp, or what how-, how does it expose itself? And is it magical when you first glimpse it?
1: Yeah, it is all those things. I mean, I know it's become sort of a cliche, but it, <laughs> cliches are there because they're true. Mm-hmm. That's what makes them cliches—that they're they're based in fact. Yes. Yeah, you do co- you do go through this tunnel, and you come out into the stands and you see this perfect green field. And in Brooklyn, there wasn't a lot of green things around. A couple of trees here and there, but mostly concrete. But you go out and you see that, that incredible green expanse with foul lines that seemed to go off into infinity, it was special, it was spectacular. You go through this rotunda in the very beginning, As you walked in the front, there was a, sort of a big rotunda, and then you went out through these, uh, they call it vomitoria in you know, Greek theaters, out into the field, yeah, it was absolutely spectacular. I is that
2: it. what uh, Will Pond's trying to ape the notes on that over at Citi Field? Is that what that rotunda's about? Because I know yeah. he's a big Jackie fan, and yeah. Uh, yeah. is it akin to that? Have you been? You've been to Citi Field, obviously. Some
1: I haven't been to it, but uh, I I think it is. Yeah.
2: Oh. Folks, imagine that. The, 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 that seems like a core problem when you're the Mets and you have 69, you yeah. have KC, you have all that. You want to honor that. But quite frankly, I think Fred Wilpon played high school ball or something against Jackie Robinson yeah. and obviously honors the, the man because he was a, you know, a really, you can imagine anybody braver. Sure. But they've sure. sort of recreated the <laughs> the opening to Evans at City Field. And some of the Mets fans are saying, the fuck yeah. are we doing here? Buddy? Yeah. yeah. We're talking to Howard Berman, and the new book about Mickey Mantle is called "Mutt's Dream: The Making of the Mick." I'm getting off, and this is the this is the joy of uh, the world we live in today. And there's a bunch of shit that bothers me, but the fact that I can hit one orange button that says one click and have this book tomorrow or the next day in my hands is groovy to me. Who else is fast? I see a previous book about Joe Jackson and. I'm fascinated by him. I've read more about him, quite frankly, than I have about the Mick. But what drew you to Shoeless Joe, and how heartbreaking is the story? You know, I don't quite know when he gets drummed out. Is he in his late twenties, early thirties, or when? When does he become a pariah?
1: Yeah, he's in his late twenties. Oh, Uh, Jesus! I'm I'm interested in people more so than the game itself. Well, I'm interested in the game too, but it's the people that intrigue me. It's the characters. It's the personalities. It's people in conflict and the game implies inherent conflict by what it yes. is compete, competing against other people and so i got very interested in joe jackson as a as as a as a person as a man i wanted to see what he was like so i did a huge amount of research and uh, spent a lot of time looking at his growing up in greenfield south carolina his working in the mills he was a bobbin boy and uh, I felt a great deal of uh, sympathy for him, or empathy, for, at least empathy for him.
2: Does bobbin have something to do with the, the fabric trade, or what, what is a yeah. bobbin boy?
1: Yeah. yeah, it was a fabric, they were a mill, they were making, you know, it was a cotton mill, and they made whatever they do in cotton mills.
2: Well, it must have sharpened my man's eyesight, because... Uh... They weren't dealing with the best equipment then, but that cat hit more gap shots than, uh, <laughs> than Al Oliver did for the old Pirates. Yeah. A man called Shoeless, the story of baseball's controversial misunderstood star is the B story here. We're talking mainly about the Mick and uh, Howard Berman and who does a better job of presenting their product than Howard Berman? This has been intoxicating. It's Mutt's dream. The Making of the Mick. Brother, I'll be on this, and uh, I appreciate you showcasing it so well.
1: Hey, fabulous. Thanks for having me. I love talking to you about this stuff. Where are you at? Up in Felton. What, what's, yeah. what's, tell me about
2: Felton. What's up there? Is that in the Bay?
1: Yeah, it's uh, south of San Francisco, uh, right by Santa Cruz
2: beautiful do you ever see Stu miller flying by in the night uh after he gets blown (laughs) off the mound at the stick
1: i have not no have
2: you ever seen (laughs) that i think it's out there somewhere
1: oh yeah of course sure i've seen it
2: (laughs) folks they used to play at the stick and the wind was so bad so they get this uh i think he was a breaking ball artist Stu miller he's he's out of the mound he literally gets hit with a and blown off the mound
1: He, he was a little guy to begin with so it's
2: it would have been like the Baron Elroy face being yeah. sent off. Like one yeah. of those kites in Chinatown. Man. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Love talking ball. And uh, good to talk to you, brother. And we'll talk Thanks. down the road and go sell a million of these.
1: Thanks, Dennis. Really appreciate it.
2: Howard Berman. All right. Later, brother. Uh, good cat. Love talking ball. Christian, you hate ball. Yeah. What can you know I say? You know more about ball it's... than me. <laughs> wow. Well i know ancient ball
0: yeah but you know I think, uh, th- yeah the stuff you know is more interesting
2: than what i know you know like well, I, can, if I, I, can, I d- listen did you hear me say that no, i didn't say it wasn't <laughs> right. i just said you know more ball than me but you didn't hear me qualify it was the that mine wasn't more interesting
0: let me tell you about brady anderson's stirrups
2: here's the thing about Home security companies most trap you with high prices, tricky contracts, and lousy customer service. So, while there are a lot of options out there, there's only one no brainer Simply Safe. I use it, and you know what it's done for my life? It's made me simply safe, safe, simply. Simply Safe's got everything you need to protect your home with none of the drawbacks of traditional home security. It's got an arsenal arsenal of sensors and cameras to blanket every room window and door tailored specifically for your home professional monitoring keeps watch day and night ready to send police fire or medical professionals if there's an emergency you can set it up for yourself in under an hour just peel and stick the sensors exactly where you need them no technician required and there's no contract no pushy sales guys no hidden fees no fine print all this starts 15 bucks a month. I'm not the only one who thinks Simply Safe is great. US News and World Report named it the best overall home security of 2020. Try Simply Safe today at slash miller You get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. There's nothing nothing to lose. That's simplysafe.com/miller celebrities helping celebrities circle the uh looks like they're circling the limos around ellen and uh we'll see i don't envy her being in that churn man do you remember when i lit up that woman who made fun of uh i didn't even light her up that much i just didn't know who she was she spoke at the white house press corps thing and she yeah. said some things about the. Uh, I, I said sarah Sandler, i'm gonna find out who she is and write some hateful stuff i'll be back to you on wednesday and the joke uh <laughs> to this day okay when you're in that churn man yeah. it's like you're that old chick who went over the falls and in the, in the uh in the weber grill <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh yeah well You know, uh, people know that uh, I I post links for the show on your Twitter, so I read your Twitter. And uh, yeah, every every few times a month, we get a, Hey, Dennis, where are those Michelle
1: Wolf jokes?
2: (laughs) Right, that was her name. Yeah. I well, I guess I didn't write that tight enough. It, it, does any part of the joke come off as insinuating uh I had no idea who she was?
0: See, I I yeah, I I got it and I think that uh I think what was lost on everybody was that the point was who is this chick?
2: And uh so I know what well, I don't know what Ellen's into but uh right now, but it, it's uh, uh you know what's funny is at the beginning it kind of uh you, you're a little distraught about it and then it does it, it does like fall away where you just think well it's, it's just like you're getting a new asshole torn by the ether what are you gonna do are You gonna wake up you know there are people quite frankly i i read about uh people who've been like there's a woman she was married to an actor named eric dane you can't remember her name and uh she was either in a drunk driving or a smoking a joint or something, and she clipped some woman and uh, killed her uh, in an accident. And uh, I saw her recently. I, I don't think they're still married. Maybe they are, but I, I saw her. She must have a new show. And I thought, boy, I, I'm i not saying this in any way. Like, you shouldn't get... I guess humans just get beyond things, right? You just can't wake up every day you're on the planet. I imagine she went through a... A self-flagellation at the beginning. She must have completely broke down, and then you continue to wake up, and then a couple of years later, you're probably still haunted by it, but less. And I guess you get on with it, and uh, and uh, th- that's what I found about that experience of being. Uh, what is it called? Uh, I don't think they called it that when it happened to I me. Mean, it was only a few years ago, but I think the new term is your uh, canceled.
0: Yeah, and the uh, actress you're speaking of is Rebecca Gayhart.
2: Yeah. And I, I'm not saying this in any smart ass way. I just remember seeing her. She was out and about and I thought, well, I guess life life goes on. And uh indeed it does. What am I reading? Oh. I uh you know who I talked to since I last talked to you. I talked to Shatner. Oh, <sighs> my God, he was funny. And I told him Sh- what I said. I said, Bill, nothing makes me laugh harder than the sleep apnea and I'm convinced now he has it. I, I thought he had never Heard, uh, had sleep apnea in his life. You know, I, I, when I see the commercial, I go, this is a cash run. but I'm convinced now he had it because he was, you know, the way he talked about it. But I said, nothing makes me laugh harder than when you come on and say something you may not know about me. I have sleep apnea. And I said, well, of course. I, I even said, fuck, I was interviewing on a TV show. They'll have to bleep over you. Of course I don't fucking know you have sleep apnea. How the fuck would I know? <laughs>
1: And he laughed,
2: and he said, well, a few people know. And I said, I'm not one of them. Uh, you know, I, I, how would I know that? That's, I, I haven't boldly gone there, quite frankly, Bill. So, uh, but he was hilarious. He's 89. He looks good. I missed an ad-lib, though, Christian. I had it, but then he went on, and it would have been rude. Sometimes you got to eat jokes, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's part of the joke is the joke's not super strong. But the the concision of it, uh you know, when you ad lib quickly, you can take a joke that's a sixty six percenter and make it a hundred percent if you're deft, and it gets out there like immediately. They go, "Fuck! How did?
0: What's yeah?" That I don't about? think I've ever had a joke that's more than a sixty sixer, but I do come in with a little Zorro swipe, so it's so oh, fast. Christian, you've better. had
2: two. I can't even remember them. I, I don't want to because. Uh, it's one of those things. They're brilliant in the moment. You know, in the, you know people always say, well, "Well, tell me a joke." I don't remember shit, but I do know there's been two times in the last couple of months where you've taken my breath away. I may, in the last month, with the quickness of it. So it was one of those where I said, "Bill, you're 89." He's what? Well, don't say that. And I said, "I said I'm saying it because you look great." And then I stopped short of saying, "You finally got a, a, a age-appropriate rug," you know, because for a while there, he was running around <laughs> with
1: fucking. Oh,
2: Royal Stadium outfield <laughs> turf on his head. But he Star has Star Trek great three. Star yeah. Trek
0: three. You're like, What what the fuck did Khan do to him?
2: <laughs> and then he says, uh so, you know, I say, and you seem sharp as a tack still. So I I'm not saying it in any way except to sing your praises. Whatever you're doing, you must sleep the sleep of angels. You look good, you sound good. And he said, That's good. He's "Because I know at eighty nine I'm supposed to be uh uh, he went you know, dribbling down my front and I almost said, brother in one lifetime, if you can go from the trouble with tribbles to the trouble with dribble, then you have led the life. But I couldn't get it out because he went on and on and on. And oh. then I said, now I have to circle back. But if you're interviewing Shatner, Christian, that's a sitter at the net, right? If you hear Shatner yeah. say dribble, oh, man. or if you hear him say, um, I took a, 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 the doctor misspelled by prescription and I asked for quaaludes and it gave me a quatlude. Bing. The joke's there, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Or uh, I'm going to have Mexican for lunch. I'm going to order a horta. Yeah, you know, they are like five <laughs> Kirk jokes. But I did hit him with a little, uh, it's been a long arc for Bill from J.T. Kirk to T.J. Hooker. Nice. I love that. Sammy sammy that is nice work that's that's nice work but i couldn't get dribbled dribble out but man that would have been i know i would have scored off him but he was very serious he's pitching you don't want to get between bill and closing you know that's no, like remember
0: uh, when he used to come on and promote that horse show that he does oh, every year he would come on the he, radio he show into that a little you
2: get into that a little, get into that a little. Of course. and I get. uh i told him i had read an article about these horses in mongolia that the uh, severely autistic children go and bond with this, this specific and he was all over it I, he picked it up there imagine getting wow. into that weird a sub story and somebody not only knowing it but annotating it for you so, well they didn't originally go there for autism they went there for some other malady i can't remember but they did find out that uh some of the uh horses were bonding and they were bringing these kids out uh as far as kids who had been deep in the on the spectrum for years so he's sharp you know i I thought boy i'm gonna stump him with this story and he was all over it we talked about uh you know have you seen uh bill in uh the intruder wait that's not the esperanto movie he did is it it's the it's I don't, you know, I always hear that Esperanto. I don't know what that is. Is that like a language? There's a, there's a
0: movie he did that's in a made up language. No, but I know what the intruder is. And yes, I haven't seen it in years, but I have seen it. Yeah.
2: Well, it's Roger Corman before he just says, fuck it, get me some guy in a crab suit. I'm going to start making margin films, but he still has pretensions being Stanley Kramer at this point. And they do a nice turn on sort of a, uh, it's sort of a, atticus finch meets elmer gantry small town racism all that so we talked that a little and then he has amazing chops i don't know if you've ever seen uh the andersonville trial it's in the early 70s and it's uh the guy i think it's richard Base, Basehart plays the guy who was the overseer of uh what was his name what's, what's the cat's name in shawshank ben gunton or something some gunton guy the he was a benevolent guy but he didn't pay attention and then andersonville turned into a mason dixon sort of uh dachau I and mean, just grim on grim so they put him up and uh shatner's a, a lawyer in there and i think one of the people who testifies against basehart who's a confederate guy i, I should make this uh who oversees a prison where a lot of atrocities were perpetrated and some uh, many of them starvation and just not paying attention and it wasn't ovens, is what I'm trying to say, but uh, atrocities no less. And Shatner's great in it. And one of the opposing Union generals who testifies against this camp overseer is Lou Wallace, a General Lou Wallace and Major Lou Wallace, who ends up writing a story of the Christ Ben Hur. He's still in the military at that point, and he goes on to write. Ben-Hur. So weird side note. So the fact that I knew about that project, I think, lit his fuse a little. So we talked about that a little. And then obviously there's the two great uh, Twilight Zones where, you know, the one that's popular. I said to him, Bill, I I said, I watched uh, Terror at uh, 20,000 feet recently and three thoughts come to mind you're sitting in two seats abreast with your wife, so it's first class, and yet you look right out on the wing. And I don't remember when first class was right on the wing, so I said the <laughs> physics of this don't quite work. And I, said, <laughs> and then I said, when was the last time a commercial airliner, by the way, flew at 20,000 feet? I mean, Jesus Christ, that's, that's where they start out, and when they're in a storm like that, you know this becomes no terror at 40,000 feet. And I said, I love the fact that you shoot the monster with a handgun, And a creature that's capable of standing on a wing as a plane goes 400 miles an hour in a lightning storm, it's that put together. It takes two shots and, you know, it's over. It goes down like Lincoln in the box, you know. Which you know, so it's funny. What did the Larry Miller used to call that comedy deconstruction, where you just take a joke and you go, "So you're saying that the creature?" <laughs> <laughs> so I hated to do it, but I was doing it to wind him up a little. So that's the popular one, and right. uh, the the uh, the the great one, though the one that scared the shit out of me as a kid, and I don't think I saw it till my early teen years. I think fir- i I had just gone to see a shrink for the first time, maybe sixteen, seventeen, in there. And uh, I had OCD stuff that I could not get a handle on, eventually did. But the fact that it's called the nick of time, he's in that diner with that little devil head thing where he yeah. asks questions and he can't get out of there because it's he's OCD about it. That thing scared the liver. I, I had OCD about that. Now I have ADD OCD, which is where I'm constantly changing what I'm completely obsessed with. And I'm at peace with that. <laughs>
0: I did some digging, and uh, in 1966, so this is like basically right before he got Star Trek, Shatner did a movie called Incubus, and then the movie is in Esperanto, which is this made-up language, and the entire film Incubus, this horror movie. Christ, did
2: Roddenberry throw him a life preserver? That's what I was thinking he's exactly. doing a movie in a made-up language a whole movie where they they all but they were cast because they had any navels and they would put <laughs> eyes on their bellies and make them talk that's what he was doing when they came across with Kirk all of a sudden oh. cut to 50 years later we're still talking about Kirk and he's thinking thank God Roddenberry brought me in off the range because I was two steps away from porn <laughs> phasers on twice <laughs> celebrities helping celebrities so this plays three weeks from now i can't comment on this i'm looking at my notes uh i'll comment on, on the next show which plays tomorrow
0: yeah in like two minutes you can you can say that you know what's uh this is how we can get out i've got one voice mail this that this i'd in, like by to play way. people
2: love yeah. this stuff Lindsay? They do Don't cut this out. When they see how we work as a crack, (laughs) sexy, exciting, (laughs) behind-the-scenes podcast team swooping in like the guy with the electric fan on his back and the malleable uh, parachute right into the center ring at a Riddick Bowe fight. When they watch us come in and they hear Delta Force in the background. No, no, that's the A team. That's the A team. Yeah, Christ, folks, I went in. Honest to God, I'm seeing a, a neuropathist to create a doctor, and I went in and I said, uh, "I think I have dementia." And he's said, uh, "Why?" And I said, "Well, I understand Biden." No, that's the joke. I I said <laughs> because I'm starting to confuse the A team theme with the Delta Force, and he said, mm, "That's one of the first signs." <laughs> there you go. <laughs> You're back. they play that under every aspect of the movie delta force which i love of course they have chuck norris on a vespa that has burp guns on the front of it just mowing people down it's very cathartic for me and lee marvin pretty is the word wizened or wizened at this point i don't mean wise i mean just Mm. he's he's looking a little lean like a a malevolent whippet or something (laughs) uh, and fatigues and uh under every aspect of the film you can certainly understand when they're fighting the terrorists but it's stuff like at the beginning when they talk about the mission you know they go into the commissary at the base they're at and order coffee and you know the guy he's give me coffee black then <laughs> <laughs> they bring the music down you want to curler with that yeah <laughs> Do you remember that uh, our friend Sarah,
0: her husband is a musician. Yeah, so love on the old radio show. Yeah, he mm. composed the love theme
2: from Delta Force, which oh, if no, people Google. Forgot... Fuck I remember everything, Christian. Hey. You know hey. that. Hey. Everything but names are I, I have trouble with names, but I, I liked I enjoyed Gump Worsley earlier with his book about <laughs> Matt Mantle and his uh
0: about Joe Jackson, uh, Michael Jackson's father.
2: Matt Mantle and his father Mook. Wheezy Jefferson. All right, I can't tell that joke. What am I reading now? Oh, you can read it today. We can be done with this show before you say what you're reading.
1: Bye bye. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Dennis Miller option exclusively on Westwood One. Tune in to new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday on the Westwood One app, One.com, and on Apple Podcasts. And remember to rate, review, and share. Until next time, that's the show, and we are out of here. From the
2: Westwood One Podcast Network.